Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, it's middle of the week, which time means it is time for a stock market update. We're going back to Saturday in college football, an incredible Saturday that it was, talking about all the biggest player performances. Guys that have their stock up, maybe some guys that have some stock down, but overall, we are just trying to build the biggest 2023 scouting pool that we possibly can in this episode we are bringing some great guys to the table for that i'm trevor sycamore with me as always is connor rogers let's ring the bell Well, the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers joining y'all on a midweek Wednesday edition of the pod, which means it's time for a stock watch update. We're talking stock up, stock down, which guys we saw in college football over the last week or over just the last couple of weeks that we think are moving up the big board one way or another. Connor, I see you got the Rangers hat on today. We're checking off some hockey talk at the beginning of the podcast already. Do the Rangers play tonight? How are the Rangers doing so far outside of whooping my lightning to start the season? Rangers look good, man. Three and one to start the year. They're scoring a you-know-what ton of goals mm. right now. I mean, That's you guys should do, walk man. away with a you know moral victory there for only allowing them to score, what, three in that game? They've scored uh, seven on Minnesota, six what? on the Ducks. Yeah, they're just scoring at the, – the, most free money in the world right now, and the market's going to set the other way to take this away. But if you were on it for the start of the season, just over half a point for guys like Artemi Panarin, who has 10 points in four games, or shot totals on Zabana. 10 points? He's got 10 points in four games. Jeez, the Rangers are a house. Yeah, they're having a good time. Hopefully it stays that way. I don't want to jinx it. But yeah, I mean, dude, hockey, you know what it's like. Hockey season is... It's incredible. No, it's we are a very pro hockey, pro running back podcast. Whoa, 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 yeah, whoa. I don't know about here. I don't know about very pro running back. Compared to the market. Compared to the market. Which maybe that's the case. All you have to do is say I like a few running backs every year and you are way ahead of the market. Blasphemous. Absolutely blasphemous. Dude, well, uh this was a very fun weekend of college football. The slate was fantastic. Tennessee, obviously, massive upset win over Alabama. We're going to get into that. We've got a couple of players that you want to highlight from that game, of course. Clemson staying undefeated, taking down Florida State. That was a big game for him. Michigan uh, looking like an absolute house, taking it to Penn State. Took a little bit for him to warm up, but a big win there for him. Utah, you know what? Even though I like watching USC, who... Utah played USC. Even though I like watching USC when they're at their best and Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams are firing on all cylinders... It was cool to see Utah win an emotional game. They were paying tribute to some of their former teammates. And the way that they won, they went down the field, they scored a touchdown late, and they did the, nah, we're going to go for two, and we're going to win this game right here, right now. We're not going to overtime. We're putting the ball in our hands. We're making it happen. So I felt like from start to finish, it was a great college football Saturday. Um, Phenomenal. Any 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 game that you watched that stuck out to you before we start to dig into these players? It was phenomenal across the board, but it was just hard to walk away from the weekend and not talk about Tennessee, Alabama with everybody you ran into just because it had everything you could ask for, whether it was the high stakes of the national rankings, the SEC, the draft status impact for a lot of guys that we are going to kick off the show with today. Mm -hmm. I know it's very cliche, but there's a reason that that is being discussed. The game was unbelievable. Dude, before we get into, because I know you and I want to talk a lot about Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver at Tennessee, and of course their quarterback, Kenan Hooker as well. Yep. Tennessee wins the game. They deserve a lot of the praise. 
But with this being a draft podcast, Bryce Young was unbelievable in this game, even in a loss. And he's been unbelievable all year. And Connor, I already hear from people you can't draft a short QB. He's five foot nine, five foot ten, 180 pounds. You can't draft this guy number one overall. The Panthers fans, they're already potentially talking about Bryce. We brought up Bryce when we talked about our fixing your franchise episode with the Carolina Panthers. But man, this weekend to me was just another reminder of how good this guy is. And he's QB one for me right now. He is. He what he brings to the table. What I have seen time and time again from him when his back is against the wall, when he has good weapons to throw to, when he doesn't have good weapons to throw to, when the protection holds up and he's in the pocket, when he's got to make something happen out of structure, it just doesn't matter. The guy is so cool and calm and collected. He executes exactly what you need to every single play. And man, I know that the physicality of the game, the strength of the game, the speed of the game is going to get better at the next level. But this dude understands how to play football better than so many other quarterbacks that I've seen over the last couple of years. I love Bryce Young, man. I already feel myself, as you guys could tell, being a sucker for his game and falling for it, even though he doesn't have the ideal measurables. Trevor, he understands how to play quarterback. That's what's so impressive. I I think most prospects we go through at this position year after year are good athletes, have a lot of talent, and have blips and flashes of playing quarterback. Rarely do you get a guy that truly plays the position like a pro consistently. And when I watch Bryce Young, that's what I think of all the time. Where, mm-hmm. man, it's it's tough because obviously I came out of summer with Stroud as my top quarterback, and he hasn't done anything to lose that. Sure. But it's one of those years where you look at the top and you go, Stroud and Young go one and two either direction you shrug your shoulders and you're like, these guys are really good. And I think I will go back to, I just think with young, he, he fascinates me because he really is, in my opinion, oddly enough, a high floor prospect, which you would never say about a quarterback. That's not even six feet tall under 200 pounds. You would think the floor is dangerously low, right? Right. But With the way the league protects these guys and how smart he plays and how accurate he is, He's a very high floor quarterback, and that's going to be hard for a team to pass on first overall. So it's it's just great we have an interesting quarterback class this year, and these guys both are playing at such a high level. And we didn't even get to the third one that we were going to kick our show off with today, that one against Bryce Young's Alabama team that has officially found his way, not in the conversation to go number one or number two overall. I don't firmly believe that right now. But Hendon Hooker was not a round one prospect coming out of summer. He wasn't a round two prospect coming out of summer. And he has broken down those walls in an unbelievable way. Yeah, no, Hendon was phenomenal um, this past week uh, against the Tide. And, you know, I talked about him a little bit because I had him as a stock up player. I can't remember if it was last week, the week before, whatever it was, when he was really starting to come on and we wanted to intro him to the show. And a lot of those strengths are this just still there for him. He understands that offense that Josh Heupel is running in Tennessee so well and he's in great command of it pressure doesn't really seem to rattle him he's got enough athleticism to be a guy who is escapable um not afraid to spread the ball around to a variety of different receivers he hits at all three levels of the field although i would say i don't think that he has the best arm talent when it comes to hitting deep right throwing on a frozen rope if you will 
firing that ball into very tight windows. He can do that a little bit in the short and intermediate, but I wouldn't say that his arm is a world beater or anything, but you can certainly tell that he understands what he needs to do well in that offense. And he is doing it almost to perfection. It feels like, and anytime that's the case, you watch a player like that. You're like, man, if you can get that level of focus and execution out of a guy at the NFL level, you win a handful of games, man. Yeah, we see it all the time. There, there's plenty of quarterbacks that are in the NFL that don't have the most elite arm in the world that, okay, do you maybe look over your shoulder or look to the future and say, okay, if there's a guy who comes along, has some better arm talent, we'll take that guy. Sure, but there's also, I would say, a handful of guys in the NFL that are exactly what you would want to get out of what you're seeing from Hendon Hooker already. That's the understanding of the offense, the confidence, knowing when to throw the ball deep when to check it down making good decisions having that escapability all that stuff man so you saw that on display again against alabama one of the best defenses in the country and it was just it's more evidence to what is now an incredible season for hendon hooker perhaps the heisman trophy winning favorite at this point with what he has been able to do and it's turned into a pretty great draft status for him i think that you're going to start to see a lot of people with him in their top 50 soon i think so too and i think that's the right way to frame it top 50 i think with hendon you know, what you have to look at with him is he's an older prospect that we've talked about. And what that means is he'll be 25 on draft night. He'll be 25 through a large part of the draft process, including the NFL Combine. What you have to kind of compartmentalize here is that for a quarterback that is not overwhelming from a physical standpoint, yes, he's six foot four. he's a bigger guy. But like you hinted at the beginning there, Trevor, he's not a guy that it, he pops out with this crazy velocity on his throws and he's not he's mobile but he's not you know this insane talent as a runner right he really is a guy that should play in the pocket and does that well he wins with his smarts he wins with his touch that you said at all three levels of the field ball placement and timing and those things translate to the next level where you look at it and go is he going to get a lot better Probably not. He's going to be 25 years old when he hears his name called on draft night. His arm's probably what it is. But can he come in and play for you right away? Yes. Can he come in and, you know, succeed in a well-structured offense that has playmakers to get the ball to? Absolutely. So it's kind of the argument we ran into with Kenny Pickett last year, right? Where And I think Hooker could, he be, could be an even better prospect than Pickett, although I, I liked Pickett for what he was. I mean, he was my QB1 for a reason. But mm -hmm. Pickett, my argument was he's older, but you know what you're getting. And in a place that has playmakers, he will get them the football. That's what Hooker is going to be as well. So I, I think there's going to be a team at the back end of round one that gives him a significant look. And, and I think that's incredible for him. And it speaks volumes of, to where he is now compared to where he was. A guy that's already faced adversity as a transfer. So you know he's got it. Uh, up top the confidence and the brains man uh that's a really good you know you bringing up Kenny Pickett like where would people like to ask this question all the time where so where would you put Hendon Hooker in last year's QB class right I feel like I shouldn't answer that right now because I've got to go back and I've got to really think about it because I don't want to be too like prisoner of the moment but it's hard to argue with how Hooker has operated in this offense you brought up timing and his understanding of timing and I think that that just goes such a long way. Now, I am, I don't want to say worried, but I am, I'll just say aware that 
Josh Heupel does make offense look pretty easy, right? That has been his MO as a play caller, as an offensive guru, making offense is easy. And, and his offenses in the past, even before Tennessee, have really been able to light up scoreboards and stat sheets. So it's not like Hendon Hooker is the only guy who's been able to do this in a Heupel system. I think that you've got to look at that for what it is there. But it's also hard to take away from the execution that you've seen from him. And when you look at the physical exactly. ability, you go, all right, he's a decent athlete. He's got a decent arm. It's not an incredible arm, but I don't think anybody's well, shoot, I was about to say, I don't think anybody's talking about Ten and Hooker as like a top 20 pick, but I'm sure there are going to be people that talk about him as a top 50 pick. I'm not there. I, I don't think that I'm um, anywhere close to that really on Hendon Hooker. I think that he's more of a firm day two guy for me in this class at this time, but I also didn't love any of the QBs in last year's class either. I had Desmond Ritter as my QB one. I would add, I would have had Desmond Ritter at this point over Hendon Hooker. Mm, Sam Howell, Matt Corral, Malik Willis. I had Malik at number two. I think I had Kenny Pickett at four. So that's an interesting argument with like my rankings versus where Kenny Pickett ended up going in the first round. I don't know. I feel like I'd still, as of right now, I feel like I'd have Hendon Hooker in last year's quarterback class as QB three behind. Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis. So that's probably where I'd have him right now. Now that I'm thinking about it. I think that's a measured rational take and I can't wait to get roasted for it, but yeah, thank you. I mean, I I really like him a lot. I really do. (laughs) I I would, I would have him right up there with Pickett, but who was one for me, but man, when you watch him, it it helps that he's got a wide receiver. That's now answered the conversation. And you mentioned him in Jalen Hyatt. I mean, this dude can fly five touchdowns against Alabama. I I don't, maybe it slipped my mind. I can't recall a wide receiver doing this to Alabama. Uh, Never. 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 Okay. I was going to say, I can't recall it in my lifetime. The thing with Hyatt is, because, you know, when these things, when these guys burst onto the scene and he was having a good year, like, don't get me wrong. He, he was having really good weeks before this. Obviously this was different. You know, people text you that are, are just fans of the game, and they're mm. like, is, is he a legit prospect? And I'm like, <laughs> right. I'm like, man, you know, this is from tracking football, and this really stood out to me. His 100-meter and 200-meter were faster than 98% of D1 wide receivers. This dude can freaking fly. He can freaking fly. He's a big play threat that is now matching production with that speed. So, yeah, Jalen Hyatt is a big factor in a wide receiver class that has underachieved across the board this season. Kale and I, it's fun, man. Yeah, I'm, I am glad that you brought up the speed. I'm glad that you brought up the, the 100 meter, the 200 meter, the track background this guy has because it is blatantly obvious that is his strength of his game. And it's also incredibly obvious because Josh Heupel puts that him in that exact position to succeed. If you go back and watch that Bama game, you can go – back further through, um, in games that we've already had this season, they use Jalen Hyatt a lot in those stacked wide receiver formations as the back wide receiver so that he can get a free release if he's getting vertical. And a lot of times when teams are going up against stacked alignments, when what I say that it's, it's the stacked alignment is if you watch the Tennessee Alabama game, it's when the wide receivers are literally like right in front of each other. Like here's one on the line of scrimmage. And then another one is lined up like three yards. No, less than that. Probably like, a yard and a half behind them, like just right behind him. That's a stacked alignment. And the thought process there is that it's kind of, def- it, it's kind of a spread concept formation. That's goal is to spread the entire defense out very thin because 
when you get wide receivers both that wide to the boundary it forces defenses to use those apex players which are those defenders that are right inside where the corners are so either a linebacker a safety a slot corner whatever you kind of force those apex players to go a lot further out and if you do that guess what happens well then the box gets lighter then you can run out of that formation a little bit easier you can gain easy yards on the ground that way and if those apex players are closer to the line of scrimmage well then you just throw a quick screen to the players that are the back wide receivers and then they're just one-on-one it's very easy to pick up yards you're asking the safety to come from depth to tackle them I'm kind of rambling now, but I'm trying to set it up a little bit. All to say... You're doing great. Keep going. This exactly goes towards Jalen Hyatt's strengths because Tennessee loves to either give him those quick screens if you get the set opportunity, or as you saw against Bama, time and time again, they would have this dude just get vertical. You mentioned it. He's a track guy. He's a 100-meter sprinter. 10-4 in the 100-meter. That is fast. It was reported at the opening that he had a 4.31 40-yard dash in high school. Laser-timed time there, 4.31, blazing. And when he is that back receiver on a stacked alignment, there's nobody that can get hands on him. So he is up two, three, four, four, um, four steps into his acceleration before a safety or whoever the next defensive back is can even get hands on him. And if you get hands on Jalen Hyatt, good luck. <laughs> those are the Have two words right there. The two words are good luck because that's exactly what Tennessee was saying to whether it was Alabama safeties, whether it was a, a slot corner they had oh, trying to line up against him, whatever it was, he was dusting these guys. So I really feel as though, look, Jalen Wyatt, Jalen Hyatt is six feet 185 pounds okay that's what they have him listed at you can see he's a he's a, he's a slender guy he's a slim guy he's not going to be bullying anybody at the catch point it's got the alave build but the man can fly yep and if you put him in those positions he can really take the top off a of defense that's what i love so much about jalen hyatt and what he is in this tennessee offense right now is that they are putting him in the exact positions that you are going to see him succeed at the next level at the college football level certainly and it is fantastic to see the way they're using him as a true vertical threat in this class final numbers from the game for hooker uh, 21 to 30, 385, five touchdowns, three big time throws, 12.8 yards per attempt. Jalen Hyatt, six catches, 207 yards, and five touchdowns. Five. Count through five. Five time. Five time. Five time. Dude. ECW champions. Perfect. Perfect. What kind of shirt you got on there right now? This is South, this, this is South Carolina Gamecock shirt, my guy. Oh man, we're repping we're repping Shane Ooh. Beamer in this house. Uh, okay, we're repping, we're repping Shane Beamer in this house. All right, represent. I just had to confirm. I had to. I couldn't believe what my eyes were seeing right there. This is so in a shocker to anybody who knows me as a Florida boy now living in Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio. This is one of the very few long sleeve shirts that I own. And it is 38 degrees today in Cincinnati. I was going to say, partner, you should stock up on a couple more. It is, it is, it is very cold, and so I'm walking around the apartment in one of the few long sleeves that I have, uh, rep and chain beamer in the South Carolina Gamecocks. You guys finally turned the air conditioner off, huh? <laughs> Dude, I walked out this morning and, and Mike turned the heat on. Oh. Like, man, I'm like, man, we made the switch quick. I was gonna say, what a flip! I, I gotta have like at least a month of just nothing. 
Nothing See, on. That's no what, thermostat. That's, that's the best. I, we were, I think Windows. we're gonna. I think we're gonna get Windows that. Guy. Over, I am too, man. I am too. I think we're gonna get that over the next like three weeks because it's pretty damn cold right now. I think it gets down to whew, damn near like thirty degrees tonight. But then it yeah, creeps man. back up. We get into like high mid sixties. You know, you start getting into the real, real nice weather there over the next couple of weeks before it gets absolutely bitter effing cold. And I can only dream about white sandy beaches for the next couple of months. But. Better keep investing in uh, symbol <laughs> then. Don't sell your jet stock. All right, All right. I'll uh, I'll keep us moving here and add one more wide receiver to the stock up show here. Mm-hmm. Gavin Holmes from Baylor, wide receiver Ooh, Gavin Holmes. Know. Yeah, neither did I, honestly. And and you know this is the kind of player that you like to sneak in on the stock up show because. What a road it's kind of been for this guy. There was once upon a time where he was a pretty relevant recruit for Baylor, and I'm talking way back. He is a 60-year player there now. So his freshman season was in 2017 um, out of Northwest High School in Justin, Texas. He was a big-time player. He was a top 100 recruit in Texas. He was the 58th best receiver prospect in his class. And it's just been a crazy road for him at Baylor. He played as a true freshman here and there. He had four starts in 2017, but he missed Trevor 18, 19, and 2021 with knee injuries. Whoa. So th- this dude has missed a lot of football, had a All lot different? of bad luck. Like a Jalen Catalan thing? I need to look into exactly what they were. I know the 2018 one that ended his season obviously was significant because he... Uh, sat out 2019, I believe, with the same injury. But he's had quite a few knee injuries. Mm. And with the extra year this year in 2022 as a sixth-year player, he's finally on the field and coming into his own. I mean, he just had a monster, monster game, his best game for Baylor, uh, where he had seven catches, 210 yards, and a touchdown against West Virginia. He also returns punts. He's returned a punt for a touchdown this season. He's got some juice, this guy, and he makes some tough catches across the middle of the field, some tough catches vertically. So Gavin Holmes is, you know, one of those players you bring to the story and go, once upon a time when this guy was recruit, there was probably thoughts that one day he'd be, you know, at least a draft pick and maybe a star player for Baylor or a good player for Baylor, and it's been a long road. And now he's probably trying to, you know, find his way into an all-star game and find his way to being a late day three pick or prior to UDFA. And this was a huge performance for him to get back on that radar. Damn, I'm just watching a couple of his clips as you were talking about him. He does have some juice. He does. He really does. He's got a lot more juice than I would think for a guy who's had three knee injuries. Yeah, I think it might be two, but the 18 to 19 one must have been really significant for him to not be ready for to miss all 2019 right, right, right i'm watching a little bit of him now and of course it's just a couple of plays but you can you can almost tell that maybe he's 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 not wanting to like hard cut on the knees you know he's he's definitely getting vertical and going over yep. the middle and rounding out the routes but like he does have some good he, he's got some good straight line speed to him so 2018 was an acl tear okay and it looks like 2021 was a broken right foot so mm-hmm. he's been through the ringer here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the ACL tear obviously cost him just a lot of time where he was expected to take the next step after starting a decent amount of games as a freshman. So okay. it's good to see him back on the field and good to see him 
uh, being the focal point of the Baylor offense in a huge game this weekend. Yeah, hope he stays. I hope he stays healthy, man. That's uh, that's a really cool story if he can kind of get back to things and turn around and eventually make it to the NFL after uh, those unfortunate injuries there. But I like the little the couple of clips that I was able to see, so I got to watch more of them. Guy, I'm really excited to bring to the table to hear this stock market show. Devon Witherspoon, the cornerback from Illinois, redshirt junior, got a really cool story. Didn't start playing football until his junior year of high school, and I, and I don't I don't exactly know why. I, I I I'm trying to I was trying to look up as many stories as possible because all of the places, whether it was Illinois website or you know local news places who have done these feature stories on him, they all just say like, oh, he didn't start playing football until his junior year of high school. Okay, why? Like, I, did he? Did he? Was he just not interested in football? Was he playing other sports? I'm very curious as to why that was the case. But started playing football. Played football as a junior. Played football as a senior. Remember, his first two years he's ever played football. Had 11 interceptions over those two seasons. It's nuts. It's silly. It's insane. So he ends up. Uh, you know, the the uh, one of the articles that I read said that he talked about how. He didn't take school as seriously as he needed to um, early on in his high school years, and his grades weren't really good enough to be NCAA eligible. So he ended up committing to Hutchinson Community College. So he's from Pensacola, Florida, Hutchinson Community College, which is in Kansas. He was enrolled there. He was in classes there. And then he got his final SAT score back, and the SAT score was good enough to be NCAA eligible. So then he immediately got offers from a bunch of other um, schools that he wasn't academically eligible for before then ends up choosing Illinois first couple of years that he was on the team really just focused on doing special teams work because again remember like this guy's brand new to football so worked his absolute ass off in special teams coaches noticed him he ends up getting on the field at corner for the first time in 2019 his first assignment Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson at Minnesota very difficult well, but college football but exactly, but he was able to hold his own. He's a redshirt junior now. He's sizing up at about six feet tall, 180 pounds. Fearless is the word, man. This guy takes so much pride and attitude into the position. They will line, Illinois will line him up in the slot. They will line him up against X receivers. They will line him up against flankers. They will line him up anywhere. Whoever the other team's best wide receiver is, Devon Witherspoon is like, yeah, I'm guarding him. That's, that's just what I'm going to do. He'll play man. He'll play off. He'll play. He is such a fun corner right now. He is unbelievably confident. He's got a track background. Okay. He was a track guy in high school, ran the four by 100 meter, the 200 meter, and he was a standout guy in the high jump. You see that explosiveness on tape. You absolutely do. Especially when it comes to the short area quickness, him flipping the hips, him putting his foot in the ground, really clicking and closing on all of these guys, keeping up with them. I will say that he, well, I, I'll say this first. He has this hit stick play. Connor, I don't know if you've seen it. Please just go to Twitter right now. Type in Devon Witherspoon. It's D-E-V-O-N. And you could just say it's just the word hit after that. No, it's the first thing that comes up, which is typing his name. Okay. I okay. have seen this play. Where he just obliterates Dude, the running back? On it a... looks like an NFL blitz hit is what it looks like. Do you see the confidence that that man breaks with when that ball is snapped? He is shot out of a cannon. He knows exactly where the ball was going. And that play, for as fun as it is, 
that and many other plays are evidence to how much he takes his craft very seriously. He watches so much tape. He's got so much recognition. I, I was watching an interview of him, and people were talking about, like, oh, the interception you got, like, how'd you get it? And he's like, oh, they, I mean, they put it on tape. Like, I saw it so many times on tape. I knew exactly what they were going to do. I know in this situation, they love to run slot fade, and I was ready to break on the ball right when he got to a certain spot because I've seen it so many times before, and they've done it so many times before. So not only does this guy play with a massive chip on his shoulder, not only is he versatile in coverage, he's got a 91 coverage grade in our database, but also it seems like he's a film junkie and he just loves ball. This, oh, this is my dude. This guy rules. love Devon Witherspoon. The one thing that I will say about him is he pops – he pops out of his backpedal. Like, you know how when you're backpedaling, obviously your shoulders are over your toes, you're, you're keeping balance, you're trying to stay low because you want to stay low and when the wide receiver breaks, you also want to be in full control. You want to be able to put your foot in the ground. You want to be able to mirror them and, and continue to run with them as they get in and out of their break. He will backpedal with wide receivers, but then it's like when the wide receiver breaks one way or the other – he will stand like straight up. And sometimes when the wide receivers are trying to fool him, he's no longer low. He no longer has this low center of gravity. So then for him to turn and stay with him, it almost looks a little bit reckless. He's an athlete enough to stick with him, but I just, I would love for him to stay a little bit more compact when a wide receiver is getting in and out of his breaks and he will be sticking to him like glue if he's able to do that. So like a lot about his game, big fan of his, love the backstory, love how he got to where he is. Seems like a great dude to invest in uh, when it comes to a player who just absolutely loves ball, wants to be the best player on the field. And I think that you see that and you're seeing it a lot this year. I love it. I already like what I see from this guy. That play where he has the hit, he is playing about 10 yards off the the outside receiver. And as soon as the running back goes into motion – he comes downhill because he's seen that play a million times where he goes once the running back is going in motion yep. uh, from shotgun behind the quarterback into a full sprint for the swing pass. I know that where the ball's going. It's yep. going to the swing pass. And he, yep. I, you don't see a lot of guys connect like this shoulder into chest. This dude's legs go upside down. It is, it is a true throwback hit. It is one that you used to see in the early 2000s that probably got you into football that's probably yeah. banned in the NFL now. And but it's not I dirty. Mean, it's not malicious. He didn't go for the head. What you love before it, two tweets uh, below it from PFF College yesterday, uh, early in the week, he's got an 86.9 coverage grade. That's mm-hmm. first among all Power 5 corners. So this dude ain't just a hit stick machine. He's yep. getting it done. That's... Man, we've talked about how this this corner class needs a riser, and it, it, corner is traditionally a group that you get risers because there'll be a guy that is a first year starter that takes off, or there'll be a guy that there's not a lot of eyes on him because he's playing corner in college. So this this might be the one. This might be the one. I love it, Trevor. Good. Uh, I already he's in the spreadsheet. Uh, it's kind of crazy. I mean, gotta watch him. You know, it'd be cool for a star corner to come out of Illinois. Yep. Uh, I got one more offensive player and then i i got uh you know two defensive players i can go through somewhat briefly but this you're gonna love this one anton harrison man you you know i sent you a funny meme today i texted you of the guy in the crowd by himself holding his (laughs) fist up and i was like you in july about anton harrison and i mean what a year he's had i caught up on all his stuff today because he had a really really good week against kansas where Oklahoma ran for almost 300 yards in their win over Kansas, a thrilling game. 
and he didn't allow a pressure. Let's so you go, go back baby. and you super clean and pass pro. I love his lateral ability it mm-hmm. is a run blocker he can he moves so well and he's so good at reaching and then climbing and cutting off a d lineman and then climbing to a linebacker where these running backs in oklahoma had a lot of room to operate with and they can really thank him for that so anton harrison we haven't talked about this tackle class very much and that's traditionally because you like to get the full sample size of these guys and you, you look more in December at the tackle class. Yeah. But since he was somebody that I think you had as offensive tackle number five over summer. Um, I know he was in your top five. Yeah. I can't remember if he was five or four, but he somewhere was in right somewhere. in there. Right. It, he's had a really good year, a really good year. He look he looks so technically sound in pass pro. I mean, if he adds a little bit more pop to his game, he he's going to, I think, potentially go on day two of the draft if he adds a little bit more pop to his game because he he just looks so good for Oklahoma right now in both phases of the game and I was super super impressed with the strides he's made from the tape I watched last year to the first Mm -hmm. couple weeks this year yeah I mean I think he's a I would tell you he's a day two lock kind of a player like I I don't think I don't think offensive linemen that move as well as Harrison does point for guys who play in a big program who if you'll remember when we talked about him in the summer already had over a thousand starts at left or a thousand snap thousand starts uh already had <laughs> yeah he was actually reincarnated um he was one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time before this um no he had a thousand snaps at left tackle before this season he was a junior this season so already had a ton of experience to him you, you just don't get guys that move as well as he does who play for big programs who have that much experience who get out of the top 100. So I think that if you think he's a day two pick, if you don't think he's a day one pick, that is fine because I do agree with you. The big point of emphasis for him going into this year for me was strength, play strength. You know, he's got to still be able to anchor against guys that are bull rushing him. He's got to be able to give some guys a little bit more, like you said, pop at the point of contact. He did still need that in his game, but going back to this summer, I remember uh, watching an interview of his and, and uh, he talked about that as an emphasis. So, you know, when you're talking about putting on strength, putting on weight, becoming a better anchor, that's also not something that happens just overnight, but I'm glad that he is aware of it. I hope it's a little bit better. I haven't gone back to watch a lot of his tape yet so far this year, but glad you're highlighting him. Uh, I think he's got really great moving skills and let's face it, man. Anytime you got athletes at the offensive tackle position, NFL is going to take a chance on them. They are. They're going to they're going to take a chance on them and they're going to try to uh, improve their strengths and or sorry, improve their weaknesses and lean on their strengths. So, dude, look at Abe Lucas. Oh yeah, completely. That's a really great. That is a really great example for for Anton Harrison. I, I, I mean, like Lucas was somebody that never fully put it together in college, and you always he always left you wanting more. And I literally had. Like NFL coaches during their tape study for the draft say that to me. They're like, man, I just want more out of him. But he tested well, Mm -hmm. and Seattle has done a great job developing him since he got there where he's been really good as a rookie. So that goes back to your point, Trevor, that guys with that movement ability at that size, they are going to get taken with a priority, and honestly, for good reason. Yeah, for good reason. If you like the character and think they'll develop, then they'll be fine. Right, but right. What do you got next on the list? Um, Abe Lucas, by the way, went seventy-two overall. So I really do think there you go. that uh, some sort of a day two pick. I think it's what we're talking about with Anton Harrison. Um, 
Jair Brown, the safety from Penn State. We had a couple of people tweet uh, at us about him. Uh, I think we had some comments in the YouTube channel talking about Jair. He is the safety, number 16 for Penn State. Definitely wanted to get to him, and uh, very glad that I did. Redshirt senior, so he is a fifth-year guy, I believe. Five foot 11, 202 pounds. A little background to him. Played at community college for two years before transferring to Penn State. Uh, he kind of the same situation as uh, as Witherspoon. I, it, it sounds like he didn't exactly have the grades to make the jump to the D1 level right away. It wasn't like a lack of talent or he didn't get recruited or anything like that. He went to community college first. He went to a good junior college. Uh, Lackawanna Community College in Scranton, actually. And it's funny enough, Jaquan Brisker also went to Lackawanna Community College before he went to Penn State. And this Jaquan, is Penn State's secret pipeline right, right. now? Right, and so, so Jaquan Brisker made the jump to Penn State, I think one year before uh, Brown went there, but he quickly followed him after that. Those two actually played together in the same secondary last year. Brisker obviously became a uh, fan favorite in the draft community for last year's draft, and this year Brown took a lot of I'll just say a lot more responsibility in what he's been doing in that secondary. Last year, he was actually tied for the lead in college football with six interceptions. And so he was around the ball consistently. Uh, I would say like half of those were luck. You know, ball bounces his way. He's able to get it. But when you have that number, it's something like there's got to be a couple in there. Right. You know that there's got to be a couple in there. But I will say this. He's in the right place, right time for a couple of those. And he is because he's that good of an athlete. Athleticism is the number one thing that pops out to you. He plays in a versatile system that asks him to be too high, asks him to be a pseudo linebacker as a strong safety, walking towards the box as a box player. He is asked to be a free safety, a single high free safety in um, one high systems. And he has that athleticism and that range in coverage and pursuit to be able to be that guy. So there's not often you find players who have that kind of athleticism. I think Jair Brown definitely does. I'll say this too. Manny Diaz, yes, that Manny Diaz, former defense coordinator and head coach of the Miami Hurricanes, he is now the defense coordinator for Penn State. He said that Brown is a, quote, once every five years kind of a player. More on the quote, those guys are rare. This guy is absolutely old school. He's a warrior. What a great example for the young players on our defense to follow every single day. It seems like the praise for Brown is sky high on who he is and the kind of leader that he is. And I'll tell you, that doesn't show up anywhere more than when he is attacking the line of scrimmage. This guy is an excellent blitzer. And when I say he is an excellent blitzer, I don't just mean the athleticism he has to rush off the edge and to be a blitzer up the middle in the A-gaps. This man will take on offensive linemen who outweigh him by more than a hundred pounds, and he will go at them as if they weigh the exact same. He is so fearless taking on blocks. Shoot, you watched that Michigan game this past week. And he's blowing up, I think, the left tackle and the tight end who are trying to block him on the edge. And he gets into the backfield to tackle Corum when Michigan had the ball in a goal-and-go situation or a goal-to-goal situation. He, the, the athleticism is great. The fearlessness is great. He's a fantastic blitzer. I think he can give you single high ability. Now, the one area of his game that I think that he definitely needs to improve is he is a little over-aggressive right now. We only have him with four missed tackles in our database, but just from watching his film, I would have credited him with probably at least two more 
maybe one more than that, which would have given him the team lead for most missed tackles. He's just flying to the ball in a lot of situations. And sometimes he just overpursues, just overpursues, isn't able to get his full body into tackles, goes to an arm tackle, goes to tackle a guy at the ankles, whatever it is, and they're able to get away from him. So he does need to clean up that. He needs to be a little bit more disciplined in how he is approaching a ball carrier when they have the ball so he can make sure that he gets a stop. But he does have a decent amount of stops this year, which are solo stops that stop an offensive successful play. So I want to make sure that I give him a shout out there too, but it definitely could be better from him. And if it is, we're talking about Brown potentially going in the same range that Brisker did at the top of the second round because this guy is that athletic, because he is that much of a dog at the line of scrimmage and for everything that he can do for you as a single high guy and as a box safety. So a lot of versatility to him, a lot of athleticism to bet on. Let's just hone in some of the – I don't want to sound too mean with the recklessness, but like, let's just, you know, aggressiveness, right. Let's not be over aggressive on it. Be a little bit more honed in on it. And I think this guy could be really, really nice. Yeah. I'm with you. A lot of people have asked us about him. Um, so I took a brief look after that, a couple of tweets, a couple of comments. And I mean, the guy is, he makes plays on the football. And like you said, even if there's a little luck with the, uh, exaggerated numbers, that's just something that a safety either has or doesn't. And Mm -hmm. I just like the way he plays and pops on film. So he was somebody that we definitely need to monitor. We'll, we'll reset and try to at some point of this show and way later, probably when we get closer to actual draft season, kicking off in full throttle, look at some of the, our top fives from the summer and be like, where did this guy move? Where did this guy move? And, and then get the new guys that we bring in on the show incorporated. So One for me uh, that I did not watch over summer. I'll go through two defensive players here. One quickly, one not so quickly. The one not so quickly, Jackson Sermon, the linebacker on Cal that transferred from Washington. He's had a really nice year for Cal. Senior linebacker. uh, He leads the the defense in snaps with 385. He has been good across the board in everything they ask him to do, including coverage, where he had a really nice interception this weekend. uh, Kind of almost hiding in coverage and kind of fooled the quarterback into throwing it and just kind of jumped the ball. But he's been a tackling machine. Uh, He's been really, really run reliable as well. I mean, I'm pulling up his missed tackles right now. He's missed one tackle on the year and he's got, I mean, he's got 10 solo run stops and 22 total tackles. So this guy is in position to make a, that's only in what, six games. So this guy's in position to make a play very often and just doesn't miss tackles. He's a very, very responsible uh, run defender in terms of his run fits. He has more in coverage than I expected. A little on the smaller side, although this day and age, this is kind of what most linebackers play at at 6'2", 240. I would say he might be a shade under that. Oh, 240 is uh, fine. You get, yeah, you I don't know. Worried, if exactly you get worried when we start playing linebackers at like 220, right? 215 yeah, or like whatever it is. Which yeah. a lot of teams... A lot of teams are. It's it's freaking crazy. What was Awusu Kormoa? How, how much did Awusu weigh? He was probably like 224. Let me look. I'm very... That's a good one because he ran through. He 221. Tested. He's 221. Oh, Tested like crazy. Third percentile. Yeah, I was going to say, it's got a, it's, that's like a big safety. Yeah. That's a big safety. Yeah. yeah, so this guy, I mean, he, I should say he's shorter, but that doesn't matter for linebackers. Like, nobody cares about that anymore. So, once again, another one of these guys that's a, a player that's been around college quite a bit, uh, has a new home with the extra year, and is probably going to have to cut it on special teams until he can try to get on the field more consistently. But he's been really good for Cal. 
Really, really good for Cal. And, Love and it. absolutely somebody that'll be in the all-star circuit. The last one that you know all too well, because I feel like we've been evaluating him as a prospect for three years, Brenton Cox Jr. from Florida. He really needed a big game. He has not had a big game all season, and he got his against LSU. He had one sack with pure speed to power. Another quarterback hit, which was actually a better move than the move he did on the sack. The quarterback hit, mm-hmm. he just had cut inside on an inside move and devoured the quarterback instantly. And four more pressures. Here's the thing with Brenton Cox Jr., he is a pass, pass rush specialist. He is not somebody that's going to be playing base defensive end. Uh, he's not going to be on rundowns to the NFL level. But if he can start to put together a couple of these big games as a pass rusher and get back on track, I think he'll, he'll test just fine. And if he could be you know, kind of this fourth or fifth round pick that is only in on passing downs, playing with a lead, rushing as a wide D end, edge rusher, I think there's a place for him in the league. I was actually surprised he didn't declare. He got Darian Kennard couple times last year real Mm -hmm. bad where i was like yeah he might leave for the nfl with that on tape but he stayed and quiet start to the year but it was good to see him get back on track yeah i feel like all the experience that he has has diversified his pass rush palette if you will he's not just outside speed anymore like he used to be he he it feels like he really knows what he's doing i haven't i haven't sat down to like put him under the microscope yet but just from watching him live with so many florida games it feels like he used to be somebody who only attacked the outside shoulder really just tried to use his speed and that was about it and now he is using a lot of different things i've seen him use a long long arm he can do a club rip he's got a nice inside move now like he really puts it on offensive tackles and he i think he's really understanding the fact that it's a 60 minute game and you can have a plan that's even beyond just what you're doing on a snap to snap basis you, you could say hey i'm going to i know that this guy uh kind of struggles with the outside shoulder a little bit so i'm going to attack the outside shoulder in the first and and first and second quarters then i'm going to start to hit him with a little bit of an inside move and then he's going to realize that he can't overset to the outside now i'm going to go back exactly. to the outside at the end of the game i feel like we're seeing a little bit more of that from Brenton Cox, where he's understanding you can set up offensive tackles differently. It's just kind of a different game for him as he has matured, if you will. So I'm glad that you brought him up as well. I got one more, and I'll, I'll keep it in the trenches. Tyree Wilson, he's an edge rusher from Texas Tech. Six foot six, 280 pounds. So we're talking like Trayvon Walker kind of measurables here for Tyree Wilson. He's a senior. I know Mike Renner likes him a lot. I think Mike had him in... His top twenty in his latest Mike, uh, you right now, literally where you're recording. No, I know. I don't know if I don't know if Mike's here actually, but uh, I think that he had him in his top twenty at least. It might be higher than that. Okay. Um, in his latest big board that he put out, started out at Texas A&M. Only spent one year at Texas A&M. Now he's at Texas Tech. Um, don't exactly know why that was the case, but um, maybe somebody who covers Texas Tech football a lot closer than i do uh, might have a reason as to why he would transfer to texas tech after one season but as you would expect from reading hearing the measurables very unique player uniquely long pass rusher who gives offensive tackles fits with his length the problem is connor he just doesn't do it enough i mean what when i doesn't ever do it when i watched well there look 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 there are a couple of times when I w- w- would watch him throw the arm out and just long arm an offensive tackle, and they really have no prayer at getting their arms into Tyree Wilson's chest when he is able to do that and he focuses on doing that. But there, there are way too many times when 
he's rushing from the outside and he's more comfortable from a two point stance than he is from a three point stance. And that kind of makes sense when you were that big, maybe you're not that flexible. Maybe you're a little too high in the hips. Maybe you got too much legs in you. So you don't get down as low as you want to. You don't get the leverage. You don't get the explosiveness. Maybe you're just not as, as comfortable. So I don't really care about the two point stance. The two point stance over a three point stance is fine with me. What I don't like is how it just feels like he is still, you know, he's a senior now and it just doesn't feel like he's pass rushing with a plan at all. And not only is he not pass rushing with a plan, he's not even utilizing his his biggest strength. And so there are so many times where he will rush off the edge and he will reach kind of that contact window that you have with the offensive tackle. And he will put his long arms out and his long arms will then touch the chest or the shoulder of the offensive tackle. But instead of keeping that arm locked and strengthened so that he can just almost forklift and push back and push the offensive tackle on his heels and put him on skates, the the arm just bends to the point where he just gets chest to chest with the offensive tackle again. And I understand that you're not going to use a long arm every time you're rushing the passer. But he doesn't use it damn near enough. There are way too many times that offensive tackles who should not be able to reach Tyree Wilson, given his wingspan, can get their hands up and under his pads into his chest to control him more than you would want to. So he is a he is a bitch to deal with because even if he does not use those long arms as much as you want or as efficiently as you want, it's still tough to keep him corralled. So he does keep the legs churning. He keeps the motor working and he eventually beats the offensive tackle just because of how difficult he makes things with his body size. But there is not a plan with how he pass rushes right now. So I think you're probably going to hear his name a lot more because he is a uniquely built edge rusher in this class. But I just, I have not seen the plan from him. And as a senior that's a little worrisome for me that that he wouldn't have it a little more put together in that realm. It really is the ultimate glass half full, glass half empty. It's like, man, if he gets this cooking, right, he's, he's going to be, be really, really he's yeah. going to be hard to stop. Right, he could be. Nuts. But if he doesn't, he's not going to do anything against NFL offensive tackles. Just right. keeping it real, from They're what I've smart. seen. They're too smart. They're too smart. Everybody obviously is very gifted athletically at that level, so it's. You know what, Trevor? Cause mm. It's not even a Halloween yet. A lot of time left for him to figure that stuff out. Remember, sure. like, it was crazy, and I think you talked about this very recently. With uh, We watched Jermaine Johnson all year last year, and we're mm. like, man, this guy's good against the run. He's got some pass rush juice, but does he really know how to rush? And then he got down to Mobile, and it's like, what has this guy been doing for 50 days? <laughs> right. he, looks, he knows every tool in the kit right, right now. So you right. just... You let guys like that kind of play out the year and give them the entire process and see if they fully put it together. And sure. um, but he's been productive, so that definitely there, helps. Yeah, there we go. That's the uh, that's the stock watch episode for the week. Good stuff as always. We would love to hear from you guys. Tweet at us at Connor J Rogers at Tampa Bay Trey. If you have a prospect that you've been keeping an eye on that you would love for us to get some eyes on or somebody that you just want to be first and shout out to us so we can get you in on the show, we would love to hear from you. If you're watching this on YouTube, first of all, what's up? Uh, Second of all, you can put the comments there as well. We're reading the comments and we're reading what you guys are saying when it comes to these stock watch episodes. If you want to shout somebody out, um, we'll see it and we'll uh, we'll try to get some eyes on it either the next week or, uh, or sometime soon after that. Should we tell people what we're doing tomorrow? We should, because it's it's really fun. I, I think it's um, 
We need a good thumbnail for it. I'll say that because oh, I, yeah. I think it's. I think you it's one won't of the, believe. Yeah, you won't believe this. Yeah, what the Carolina know. Panthers did this time, and it's just a picture of, and it's just a picture of like Matt Rule with like the laser eyes, you know, like the the crypto eyes or whatever it is. And yeah, you know. and Robbie Anderson's like really shrunken down in the background, like with his helmet off, really pissed off. And David Tepper is just like looking on, like from the clouds, like an overlord or whatever. And then Baker Mayfield's, I don't know, doing something in the background, buying and bulldozing somebody's home that he doesn't like. <laughs> Freaking nut. Wait, Baker or, or David Tepper? Tepper remember oh, okay. I told you the story? <laughs> I, thought you, I thought Baker Mayfield was bulldozing the no, house. I I mean, maybe, no, I mean, maybe, but no, no. He doesn't have that kind of money yet. If Baker Mayfield was bulldozing somebody's house, though, like Baker would be driving the bulldozer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he like would hire somebody. Baker would rent a bulldozer. And take do, part in it. Yeah, he yeah. would have to. Well, so, what we're doing tomorrow. Okay, so we not, we're never going to tell him. We just have to All right, guys, yeah, thanks, for listening for, uh, thanks for listening to the pod. No, what we're doing is we're talking about hypothetical trades. Trade deadline is coming up soon. There's a lot of chatter of what contenders could be adding, certain players, certain positions. Um, a lot of teams who, you know, Carolina is one of them, might be looking to sell off some contracts, sell off some players. So Connor and I are going to look at a handful of potential trades and – we're going to talk about our favorites. We're going to talk about players going to certain locations, just team strategies, whether we're like, hey, this team needs to fire sale or this team needs to go all in. Yeah. We're going to talk about cap space, draft assets, the build of the roster, what the outlook is, and then give you guys a handful of potential trades, player destinations, team destinations that we really love. So there we go. It's kind of funny because we thought before the year like the teams like the jets and giants would be two bit huge fire sale teams or potential mm -hmm. fire sale teams and and they won't be and you look at the chiefs making three and a half million dollars in cap space by restructuring kelsey there this is the this is the time to get into it we're gonna have a lot of creative ones as we always do and man i, I love trades in the nfl i wish there was more of them i'm i'm excited the the the, the hypothetical season Oh. It's so great. Obviously, this is a draft podcast, so like that's the whole thing of what we're doing. We do mock draft, we do player rankings, we do like all this stuff. We love hypotheticals. This is another way that we can get into the hypothetical game. So we're going to be talking about a lot of different player and team combinations for some potential trades as we get closer to the deadline on tomorrow's episode. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. We'll see you tomorrow.